Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me Gabe Arnold, CEO and founder of the Business Marketing Engine, uh, Copyright Today, and Gabe's Words. I was checking out your stuff online. Uh, we met at a George Bryan event back in October um, and kind of just hit it off and been connected since then, talking back and forth. Uh, Gabe is a marketing expert, copyright, you name it, he does that stuff. But Gabe, for people that don't know you as well as I do, give us a little bit of your background and uh, what you do. Yeah, so I, uh, I've i been an entrepreneur for two decades plus. I started out in the home services space at a bigger modeling and construction company. I built that company up through online advertising, marketing, and, and sales that I did for that. Ended up losing that company in the housing market crash in 07 and 08 um, after a couple of clients had credit lines get frozen, which trickled down to me getting stuck for a quarter million, which ended up making me go bankrupt for a million dollars. Um, and as I was kind of licking my wounds and figuring out what I want to do next, I realized that what I loved about all, you know, everything I did in the first business was all the marketing um, and, you know, all the sales that came from that. And so I pivoted into digital marketing to start and ended up building over a thousand websites myself front to back for startups that I met on Craigslist, um, ended up doing over a million dollars on Craigslist over a few years. And then as I kind of went back through the projects I built and the clients that I still had, I realized that even with a great website, they didn't have the marketing and the you know ongoing services they needed. So that's where we ended up getting into copywriting, doing search engine optimization, paid traffic, um, you know, multiple different things on the digital front. And then over the course of the last you know, I would say six or seven years, we started introducing more traditional media like direct mail, radio, um, television, things like that for our clients. So now we're a full service marketing firm um, and we do a lot in the home services space, in the legal space, and also with coaches and consultants. No, that's awesome. So I've already learned something new. I didn't know that you had started out in the, uh, in well, I call it the in-home space because when yep. I was younger, I sold roofing windows and siding. That was my first sales gig. So doing yeah. this type of stuff. <laughs> so, so this intrigues me right off the bat. So you started a business, we're doing really, really well with it. And then it crashed. Walk us through how, cause this is a, a lot of people that listen to my show are entrepreneurs or sales professionals. And there, maybe some of them are just starting out, but walk me through how you went from going through there and then transitioning through like, I know once that business crashed, you had to go through that crazy downtime, or I would have thought, I mean, going through bankruptcy and all, there's going to be a lot of just stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the first thing I realized is that I didn't have any financial intelligence, despite the fact I'd sold millions of dollars at that point, you know, multi, multi, you know, multiple millions, and I'd worked for millionaires and billionaires. And I have really, you know, really fortunate to have some really great clients, but I realized I didn't have any financial intelligence. I didn't understand budgeting, financial control, forecasting. Um, I just always figured I could sell my way out of anything. Mm -hmm. And you can't sell your way out of a leaky bucket, no matter what you do. Um, there's no amount of, uh, no amount of, you know, cash you can put into a leaky bucket that's going to stop it from leaking. And so that was the first thing I realized. And I said, all right, well, as I rebuild, I'm going to make sure that I build strong financial controls for myself. Um, I also, you know, realized that, it, and it took some years to figure this out. It wasn't, you know, then, and I've learned this lesson more and more over the years that my company is not me. It's not my identity. It's not who I am. And there were things outside of my control that happened that I couldn't do anything about. 
but there was also looking back, I can see that there's things that I, you know, could have done more about, or I could have taken more responsibility for. And so as I was transitioning, I realized, well, I'm going to get a job, get back on my feet. Well, I built up, you know, a new business because I knew I wasn't going to be employed for long. Um, and so I took a couple jobs over about a year and a half until I really was able to get <clears throat> cash flow going in the new business. And I, I guess one of the big things I realized is being getting clear on a daily basis. And I still go through this exercise of what things can I control that I have input on and influence on and what things I can't control. And while there's not a ton of things we can control, if we focus on the things we can control, we can, we can have the life we want. We can have contentment and peace. You know, we can have a lot of the positive things that we want. And so how we show up every day, showing up every day, you know, um, choosing, choosing an effective and positive attitude, investing in relationships. There's a lot of things that if we do, then the bumps are way less, you know, way less, mm -hmm. you know, cataclysmic as, as they were for me before. Um, and you just start to, in a healthy way, detach from the day-to-day -day outcomes or the big events and realize that it's really consistency and persistence over time is what's, what's going to make you successful. And so I just took a lot of time to actually tear down and remove almost every single belief I had in life and then rebuild more effective ones. And that's probably one of the biggest, you know, valuable, you know, th things that came out of that experience for me. Yeah, no. And I can imagine that's hard. Cause like, I know, cause I'm a salesperson, like that's my world. And I try to sell myself out of everything, but you're right. Like this actually funny. There's always that guy on the sales team that does extremely well, but then he blows all his money. Then he has to come back and sell again. And I was yep. just, I was thinking about that process. And then you, you're right. You can only control what your inputs that you put in. And I think that's huge. So you said that you went through that thing and you started rebuilding and kind of limiting beliefs, as I would call them, or old beliefs that didn't really serve you anymore. How did you actually start to change them? Because that's a process I think a lot of people deal with, like with me growing up in the Midwest and dealing with, you know, that whole ideology of get a job with one company, do this one thing. And then like, I am way different now, but how did you start to break through that process? Well, I, the biggest gift in me building, you know, more effective beliefs and rebuilding beliefs was when my son was born. Cause I, I decided in that moment that I was never going to tell him something that I didn't personally believe and understand why I believed it. And I think many of us walk around with inherited or adopted beliefs that we don't have the source or the foundation for. And so when we do that, it's really easy to be shaken. Like if you just picked up this belief from a friend or a family member, or, you know, from something religious or just business practices, whatever it is, wherever you inherited it from, and you're kind of borrowing somebody else's belief, if it's a borrowed belief, it's pretty easy to knock somebody off of it. Um, I've, we all run into these situations, I think, where we intentionally or unintentionally challenge somebody's beliefs. And when I, I don't do that intentionally as much anymore, but even when I bump into somebody's belief and they don't, it's not their belief that's grounded in their own foundation that they built. That's when they become really reactive and, you know, defensive and they don't have anything to defend because they don't have a foundation to stand on. And so I realized that, you know, when my son was born almost 11 years ago and, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to tell them anything that I don't firmly believe and I can't explain why I believe it. And so that led me to throw out almost everything I thought I believed because I hadn't really done that work. So mm -hmm. once I, I said, I'm going to start at zero and not believe in anything, and then I'm going to build my beliefs up from there. 
And so that was a process that allowed me to be really strong in what I believe in and why I believe things. And also there's still areas that I don't know what I believe. And I just tell people, I don't know, like, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not informed or I don't know, or I respect what other people believe, but I don't know enough about that to believe things. But um, going through that process made me way more solid, you know, as a man, as a, as an entrepreneur, as, you know, as a leader, as I, I now know, you know, what I believe and why, and the ups and downs that I've experienced in the last decade have been way less uh, disturbing or like, they haven't knocked me off course hardly at all, because I know where I stand and where I'm going and what I believe. Whereas, like I said, if you can tell when somebody doesn't own their beliefs and, and they haven't taken the time to develop them because you, you poke them a little bit and they yep. go off and that's, that's just proof that they don't have a solid foundation. So that was kind of part of the process for me. Yeah. And I think that's something that we do. A buddy of mine said this to me once in our twenties, we try to be what someone else wants us to be in our thirties. We start hitting that wall where we either we conform or we question. And I've been going through yeah. that whole questioning of what do I really believe? Do I actually believe this or was just something I was trained when I was younger? So I, I like that aspect of it. I know you're into the Stoics a little bit. How has that affected you? Because I like, I follow your content. So how has yep. that affected like your thought process and that type of stuff? Yeah, I've picked that up in the last few years and I really enjoy it because there's a lot of, I mean, it's simple and there's also a lot in Stoicism, but one of the simple beliefs is remember that you're going to die. That's like the whole premise for the whole, the whole belief and practice and the philosophy that's been around for thousands of years now. And if you, um, it comes from a story where when an emperor would come back, you know, to his kingdom and be, you know, he'd be having a parade and he'd be, you know, celebrating how successful he was and he won in battle and he defeated all his enemies. They would pay somebody to walk behind them and say, I believe it's momentum mori. I screw up the Latin exactly, but the translation is remember you're going to die. And even in the moment of greatest celebration, they have somebody there to remember, remind them that you're going to die and you're not going to be here anymore. And for me, um, from, from the stoic standpoint, it, it helps me remember that I'm going to die someday. And so that helps me detach from things that don't matter and helps me focus on things that I do have control on and do that do matter. And so I have the ability to manage my emotions and my perception about situations. It's all, it's all my choice. I have the ability to choose you know, what my focus gonna, is going to be and what my attitude is going to be in a situation. And I also have the ability to realize that Everything I have could be stripped away, but I'm still here. And so if I work on the inside of me, then the outside is a lot easier. And that's kind of the premise behind that. And it's helped me endure a lot of things that are uncomfortable and that, you know, could, you know, without that kind of belief in that approach to life could make me really reactive or make decisions, you know, based on circumstances instead of internal drivers. Um, but it's, that's been really helpful because if you, if you realize we're all going to die, which is an inevitable yeah. thing, no matter, I mean, I, I'm a huge biohacker and I plan to live well into my hundreds, you know, and like all that, like that's my intention, but also I don't have any actual control over that beyond some, you know, my day-to-day -day choices can influence or impact that, but none of us know how long we're going to live. And if we treat life that way, then I believe it gives us the opportunity to show up differently and communicate differently with those that we love and those that we lead and the people that we're impacting um, it helps us focus on getting the most out of every day. And, you know, it can, it can, if you use it right, just drive you to more contentment and more peace. And that's definitely what it's done for me.
Yeah, no, and I like that. Like, because I was thinking about what you were saying earlier about how you had to go through the process of realizing you don't have to be the man and that you can control it. But I think what you're meaning, or like when you're talking about back when, in the Roman times, for lack of better words, it helps you realize or it helped them realize that you are not the end all be all. But that also yeah. makes it better because now you don't have to be the lone roof. You can, you know, like I know we met at an event, you know, community and mm-hmm. that matters. Um, yeah. So now let's get into a little bit more into your marketing aspects of it. But first with like, well, with the community mattering part, I know you're in a couple of masterminds. You're in one, I believe with Alex Sharpton. Is that correct? Yep. And then I know I met you at George Bryant's event there. How important has events and networking with other like business professionals and entrepreneurs, you know, helped you with your business? Is it more of just connections for your business or has it helped you grow? How's that affected you? Yeah, it's definitely been a huge huge driver business-wise um our you know my first guiding principle in my life and 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 of course part of my business too is relationships first and so i believe that if we invest in relationships and we do what's best for the person in the relationship and we honor that first then all the profits and all the results and everything will come after that Mm -hmm. and i could look back and point to multiple masterminds i've been in over the years my podcast that i started four years ago um you know george's group being an Alex's group. Um, I'm in a group with Brian Kurtz, who's a, you know, an OG of marketing. And all of those have led to really rich experiences and amazing relationships. And also, you know, a significant amount of business and, you know, results from that. And so if you're willing to show up and invest in relationships and just be a good human for lack of a better term, <laughs> then it's pretty easy for people to trust you and hire you when they have need or refer people to you. And um, one of the people I had on my podcast who I've just showed up and helped and done anything I can for, I've never, or I take that back, I did a small project with him. I hired him as a vendor, um, but it was a small amount of money, maybe 10, 10 grand, 20 grand over the course of a year or so. Um, but after, even before that, before I used him for that, he referred, you know, a half million dollars of business to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all from him just trusting me and us just having a good relationship and things like that. And so, I could look back at three quarters of my revenue and it's all from relationships and networking and having, you know, being a part of those communities. Yeah. And I think that's key. I think that's something that people forget who, you know, really matters. And then that law of reciprocity to where like, if you can help someone or if you know someone that can do something that you can't do, refer them. It's going, like you said, it comes back to you. Like you gave him stuff because he had referred different people to you. So since you're a marketing expert and a content expert, um, a lot of people, like I said, listen to this podcast are just starting out or maybe have been going for a little bit. What pieces of advice would you give to like, say someone starting out in their coaching business, just to pick one that's easy to like for producing content or starting out? What would you, what would you recommend? Um, a, a same, a couple, couple things. Um, one of the things is the easiest way to win in business is just outlast all your competitors. Like that's the simplest thing yep. <laughs> um, is if, if you focus on that, if you focus on the long game and you're saying, I'm just going to outlast everybody else, then you're not thinking that you have to do something for a set amount of time. Um, and I'll answer your question here in a second. And I want to just point out something I've been learning and paying attention to. So I, I get up every morning and do a cold plunge in like 45 degree water. And I tested something just to, just to see how I reacted to it. I tested setting a countdown timer 
that went from three minutes down to zero Mm -hmm. or setting a timer um, or a stopwatch and just watching the time go up and just reaching the three minutes or longer. And for whatever reason, the way our brains work, and I think this is broad, probably broader than just my experience, when you're counting down to a specific endpoint, or you have this expectation of when something's going to be over at a specific time, or you or you say, I only have to do this for X amount of time, and then I'm going to get the result, it creates this anticipation and this expectation that isn't always healthy for us. So I'm sure there's times where that's effective and a good path, but it can create anxiety and expectation and things that we mm-hmm. attach to that we don't have control in. Whereas when I get in, you know, my extremely cold water and I just set, you know, the stopwatch and let the time run, I just relax and let go. And then I usually go four or five or six minutes. I go a lot longer and I enjoy it more. And it's like the smallest little shift in perspective. But the first thing I would encourage people to do is as you're thinking about marketing, um, you know, as a coach and, and really in, in any area, but we, we definitely serve a lot of coaches too, is start to realize that your intention with marketing should be to show up until like not not with a not with a specific end date or not thinking if i do this for six months or a year or two years or three years but to just show up and say i'm going to show up and serve every day until ultimately i outlast my competitors i have a lot of good relationships and i've built credibility and trust and i've just delivered a lot of results and so if you're consistent in showing up everything else will work out especially if you take time to reflect on what you're doing, what's working, what's not working, and, and you just practice self-awareness. So the first thing is just consistency over time and not setting a specific, and especially not setting a near-term expectation of like, everything's going to be magical at X state because that's not really how it does. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I um, yeah, it doesn't work that way. I don't want to charge more. <laughs> but um, but um, and then the second thing is, and we all do this, and I I still make this mistake at times and I definitely did a lot earlier on and I would, you know, encourage everyone listening to avoid this mistake is don't make your content about you. It's the, the more self-centered you are with your content, the more people don't trust you, the more that you put your prospects, your audience, your, you know, your customers at the forefront of your content, the more they're going to trust you. And so you can either do a video, write a post, send an email about like, I'm so great at this. Here's what we offer. Here's our services. Um, here's how I can help you. And if you use, if you start to see yourself using I a lot or we, if you're a you know team or something, then there's times for that, but it, I don't believe that it should be. And in my experience, I don't believe it should be the majority of the content. Most of the time, your content is going to be more effective when you say, oh, you know, let me tell you about, the, you know, um, Joe, who, you know, I was working with and we decided to do this project and he got these amazing results Um, And you just tell the story of how you're getting results for the people that you serve. And early on, that's harder to do because you don't have a lot of prospects. You don't have a lot of customers, but you still have the ability to show up and serve somebody for free or deliver something of value. It doesn't have to be about, um, you know, a paid contract for you to still get results and help somebody. So if you're brand new starting out, just show up and serve and help people and do that for a season. You'll perfect your craft. You'll get better at what you do. And then you can talk about the success stories that you've had. And then as you have more paid clients and, you know, the business grows, you know, obviously you can talk about your paid folks too, that are working with you, but the more that you champion the results of the people that you serve, it will make other people that you want to work with. It'll make you a lot more attractive to them. Um, And it won't be that's, you know, that more self-centered content. And I guess the, the third thing I would say there too, is everybody can hear 
the tone of your heart in whatever content you deliver. Yep. So if you're doing a video, if you're writing a post, if you're sending a three word message to somebody, your heart is so much louder than everything else you do. You can have typos and errors and it not be perfect in a piece of content. If your heart's in the right place, you'll attract the right people. You can have the most perfect copy, perfect imaging, perfect videos, all that. And if your heart's not in the right place, people instantly pick that up. And just the way it works, laws of the universe, in my opinion. Um, and so make sure that you're always showing up from a place of how can I serve and the rest of it, you know, will work out generally speaking. Yeah. And that's what I'm learning. Cause I'm always like, so like in regular sales, I have been like the number one guy, I crush it, but this I've, I'm not even a year into what I'm doing with the podcast or the coaching. And I'm like, okay, I need to walk before I run. I need to slow down. And then I, the one thing I have tried to do, and I think I'm pretty decent at this moment is being consistent and then just being me. Cause I'm not going to try and be someone else. And I, yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. I've known when I've tried to do the wild post, it doesn't give me anything. Then sometimes I just write something that's just on my heart. I'm like, I don't even know if it has anything to do with sales or business. Or I'm just going to write it. And that's the post that, that pops up. And I think people right now, especially with, you know, the world changing, people are actually starting to connect now, but people are really hungry for like authenticity and connection and truth. And I think if you can get that, that, that is key. So I, I commend you on that. Um, you mentioned the cold water thing. I did do that with you. I still hate doing that. I'm going to own that. I did it in there, but you're right. The timing was, I said, I'm going to do this for a minute. And you, and I think it was Jake Blanche were like, no, we're doing this. You, I think you told me three and Jake said five or one way or the other. And I'm like, crap. But once you get in there, like you said, once you just get in there and relax and just let that process work, it's good. And I think that's something that goes back to what you're saying. When you're first starting out, you just got to get in the cold water of business and relax and let that process work and slowly build and grow and become who you need to be. And then you'll attract the right people. What other uh, aspects of marketing or um, content are we missing here? Yeah, I mean, those are foundational things. And then, I mean, you do want to, you know, continue to show up consistently because the byproduct of that is the more practice you put into something, the better, you know, the better you have the potential to be at it. Um, and the more touches, the more impressions that somebody has of you, they have opportunity to trust you. And so if, you know, even if you were to spend a million dollars tomorrow on marketing, and most of us don't have million dollar budgets for things, right. but if you were to spend a million dollars in the next 24 hours, it would be all be wasted mm -hmm. or the majority of it would be wasted because building up trust with your audience is what's really key. So that's why the showing up consistently, um, that develops trust. And I would just say, um, consistency over almost everything else is key. And so showing up and posting, you know, something once a day, sending a short email once a day, um, talking about the success that you've been able to get for your clients demonstrates your, your credibility. And then the other thing that I'm continuing to learn and just getting better at, because even though I've grown a couple multi-million dollar businesses now, I wasn't super strong in niching down to a specific niche. And I've learned a ton about that in um, in Alex Charfin's mastermind, actually, we dove pretty deep on that um, recently. And the reason that I, I'm now understanding and, and making a big shift in this area, but the reason that it's important to niche down and focus on one person is, or one, uh, you know, one specific type of ideal customer is because then you can say, you know, I'm really grateful that I get to help this type of client in this situation with this result. And if you repeat that, you become the go-to expert yep. in your, in your space. And just like, 
everybody listening can say, oh yeah, you know, I can call Joe and get help with, with sales and coaching and, you know, and, and build my sales skills because that's what you focus on. Um, you are already on a faster track than I have been over the years because I've enjoyed doing so many different things and we've been effective at it for our clients, but we haven't become, become known for that one thing. And when you focus on that, it will make you more attractive to your ideal customer, but also it speeds up revenue and profits because just like you could show up and say, I'm going to you know, coach your team for 90 days and get you these results. And if you do that every time for a client or whatever programs you're offering on the sales front, it's going to get easier and easier. You're going to have templates you can reuse that makes the customer's experience better. You're going to have stacks of testimonials around one thing, and it will become more effortless for you to do. And then also one of the big kind of leverage points that helped me really understand this and lean into it more is I've done all the sales for my companies over the years. And while that's fun and I love sales and I'm sure I'll do sales for a long time, it actually makes me a single failure point when I'm trying to scale a team. We have 40 folks on the team now. Um, and for me to be the only person selling is foolish at this point. And so if I want to teach other people to sell, it needs to be a very straightforward, streamlined sales process where the same, we're selling the same thing to the same people every day because it's difficult to it's impossible to build your business around this, this, you know, unicorn concept that sometimes we get in our head where, oh, I'll just hire another unicorn to do this thing. And they'll be able to sell in this space and this niche and this product. And they'll be able to sell new things that they've never even, you know, seen us deliver before. Well, we can do that as entrepreneurs because we create the dream and we follow through on it. We deliver on it. That's not actually how to build a repeatable process in right. the sales and marketing front. And so I would just encourage folks to get comfortable with niching down and focusing on that because I falsely believed before that niching down was like, would make me poor um, because it would limit my options. When in fact, when you niche down, it opens up a world of possibilities and you're able to serve one group of people so well that you can own that niche and you can become the only, you know, only person or only company that they think of. And so that was something that recently, I, just like I did years ago with other beliefs, I had to tear down my beliefs, rebuild it and really understand it by throwing away what I thought I knew. Um, and so that would be another thing I would encourage people to look at from a marketing perspective. Well, and it's funny you said that. I released a podcast today uh, with Matt Haldron. He's done over a thousand podcasts and he's all about niching down and all he works with like financial services and all just like digging in and getting your ideal client. Because once you have that ideal client set up, like you said, you can repeat it. You can set it in motion. You can get it going. And the same thing with the sales process. I like I can teach people how to do the sales process and if they follow it, they'll be successful. Now there'll be unicorns that follow it better and do the extra work. And then there's going to be what we call quota guys and girls. That's fine. Cause you want to have some of them in there. Um, but yeah, it's just getting your ideal person set. No, I love that. That, that makes yeah. perfect sense to me. Yep. And I also falsely believe that like, once I picked a niche, I was married to it for life Nope. and you can pick a niche and work in it for a few years or a decade or, you know, a couple months or whatever. And if you either work all the way through the niche and there's no more opportunity there, which is rare, but could happen, then you can switch. Or if you're like, Hey, I've had fun here for a few years and now I'm going to shift focus. You're not stuck there. And that was the other thing that somehow I had in my head. I don't know where I got that, but that wasn't true either. Yeah. And I'm glad because when I started, I was doing in-home roofing windows and siding sales. And then I found phone sales on heavy equipment. Then I did oil and gas sales and now I'm in telecom sales. And then now I'm doing coaching. And it's just been like, what I like to do is there, but I've been able to, like you said, I can maneuver and do different things. So just like with you though, you did the 
in-home business or the construction business before. And now you're on the marketing side, which you found, okay, well, I like this better. Now yeah. I do know something else. You're writing a book. Has that been released yet or that's coming out very soon? Yeah, it'll, it'll be out probably within weeks. So when this comes out, so it's called atomic words um, and you can go to atomicwords.com to check it out. And I just, you know, put, you know, it, it's really designed to help people as leaders, as entrepreneurs, even as salespeople and marketers to just be able to cut through the noise and be really imp impactful and with what we communicate, especially as it relates to having sales conversations, building teams, um, even just putting your message out there, you know, from a marketing standpoint, because I've, I've put together the lessons that I've discovered that have been shared with me that I've learned over the last, you know, 15 plus years. Um, and I just talk about, you know, some effective tools that are easy to understand and pick up and use that will allow you to be a lot more efficient in how you communicate and a lot clearer because all of us, I think, have been on, you know, the never ending email chain because people aren't understanding, um, yeah. which is completely avoidable. I talk about how to do that in the book. I think many of us, you know, or probably all of us too, have been in a situation where we meant to say something one way or we weren't trying to come off as a jerk, but it came off as a, being a jerk because we didn't really frame the conversation the way we could have. Um, so I talk about, you know, framing conversations effectively. I talk about, um, you know, how to solve problems effectively in your communication and also just really how to build, you know, a culture of productive and effective, you know, communication. And it can be, you know, used personally and, and professionally, but um, it was quite the process to write it a little bit more than I thought was involved. We've helped lots of clients write books over the years. And I wrote some years ago that aren't worth mentioning because they're not, not, not at this level compared to where I am now. Um, but writing it was was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And so, yeah, it's it's coming out here in just a few weeks, and you can you can actually get a bunch of bonuses and extra extra training material and everything if you go to atomicwords.com and you order it there. Awesome, yeah. No, I already ordered my copy. Highly recommend it. Um, anyone listening, if you're a reader, if anything he says hits you, get the book. Um, I don't recommend too many books, but Gabe would definitely shoot you right there. Um, what other words of wisdom, thoughts? Have we missed either on marketing, stoicism, cold water therapy, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, um, I would just say, you know, the more time that we spend in developing ourselves, the easier our business becomes, the easier the rest of our life comes. And I think, I think probably early on, I, we're not all super self-aware. Like you mentioned, kind of the different decades we go through, I would agree with that. There's a lot of truth to the different seasons that we're in. However, the, the more time we spend in self-reflection and becoming self-aware and looking at, you know, what did I do today that was effective that I thought really moved the needle forward and that I'm happy with and I'm proud of the work I did, you know, noting those things, what things happened today that I was uncomfortable with or that I didn't like or where I feel like I could have handled the situation differently, um, you know, and just in general, how did I feel today? How was my energy? You know, where, where, how, where were things landing the more time we take to cultivate that relationship with ourselves, the easier it is to have effective relationships with other folks around us. And it's, it's a lot easier to build a business that we enjoy and achieve success when we're self-evaluating, not from a place of judgment of like good or bad. Um, I try to, there's times for that language, but I think it's pretty minimal. I've learned um, over the years and had some, some great folks in my life too, that have helped me point out and pointed out to me and helped me realize that, Generally speaking, there's just effective things and ineffective things. Mm -hmm. And when we use those labels in that language, it's a lot easier for us to be clear about saying, well, that was effective because it moved us forward. I was able to deep relationship. It was positive here, or that was ineffective because I got off track on my goals or like I didn't follow through on this or these things happened. And if we can pull out 
the good and bad like self-judgment um yeah on both sides and we can just come from more of an evaluative state of our own behavior and our own performance like effective versus ineffective that allows us to be more objective be self-aware and then change our behavior going forward and one of the things that i always tell you know my coaching clients and i'm coaching them in business and in my team and just anyone i get to interact with is you know, the good news about entrepreneurship is all you have to do is a hundred percent reinvent yourself every single year. And if you're willing to do that, um, then you can be successful at it. If you're not willing to work on personal development growth, I don't believe it's going to be easy for you to be an entrepreneur. It's definitely not going to be easy to be a salesperson. Cause as you know, I, I was talking to one of my, uh, one of my team members today, who's actually helping me sell some things. And I said, you know, I think, I think you're at the 90% level. I think you're really effective today. Here's some specific feedback on the presentation you get here. Here's your, where you can improve. And I said, you know, I, I said, maybe I'm at like 92%. I said, if I'm lucky and I work the rest of my life at improving in sales, maybe I'll get closer to that hundred percent mark. Cause I know um, with sales and any skill, excellence is about continual improvement and becoming more effective in the role. There's not really an arrival point because there's just so much to learn and so much that we, um, you know, can improve upon. And so as you view each day like that of just self-evaluation and self-awareness and looking for where you can improve and grow. And if you grow as a person um, and you invest in yourself, everything else becomes easier. Yeah, no, I love that. And I agree. There's, you get better each year and then you just get better because there's always something that you can learn. There's always a, maybe a different technique or like you said, self-improvement. Like I thought, a while ago, I had finally figured it out and gotten now I'm like, I've just begun. This is ridiculous. And like, and then you just reinvent yourself again and you do it again. And you chase those limiting beliefs and you're okay. That served me for a time. And now I'm moving forward here. No, I love that. Yeah. Where can people find you, Gabe? Besides getting um, your book. Yeah. Yeah. They can obviously check the book out at atomicwords.com. Um, I have my personal blog and like my, my daily email that I send out to entrepreneurs um, at gabearnold.com. And then the, the agency website is businessmarketingengine.com. So if you need you know, help with launching campaigns, if you need a marketing strategy, if you need anything else on that front, um, that'd be great. And I'm pretty easy to find on social media. Just look for Gabe Arnold and, and you'll see me with my, my business marketing engine logo most places. So Sweet. So I have one last question. I love this question. It's kind of a fun one. And you, I think you'll like it. So you can go back in time as far as you want to go, or you can go forward in time as far as you want to go. You get to be there for one year with whoever you want to meet with, learn whatever you want for that one year and come back to today. Where would you go and what would you learn? That's a good question. Um, I would probably go back and hang out with Winston Churchill because I think the guy had some massive failures in his life tons of failures over the years but he never gave up and he kept persisting and at the right time he ended up saving a good chunk of the world if not the whole world um and he, and he had his flaws like anybody else probably plenty of them but um I, he's somebody that that i've read about and followed and, and really enjoy his quotes and I, he's somebody that i would definitely like that like to sit down and have a scotch and a cigar with because i know he liked that too so yeah no that would be good that'd be good what's your favorite cigar because i forgot yeah you're a cigar guy too Oh man, I, it's like going in the candy store for me. I just, <laughs> I just pick out what looks good. And so, um, I like a lot of, uh, I, there's some Venezuelan ones that I like, um, 
not uh not cuba i know that's opened up again but not not cubans um honduran ones so i have i always have like 20 different ones and i i don't do a great job of cataloging cataloging the ones i like like one of my friends does but any 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 good cigars are my friend so i'll try yeah. anything no i'm with <laughs> you i like a good, a good cigar with a nice bourbon and friends that's kind of the cigar i like yeah, that's the, exactly. the thing i do yeah thank you my friends is excellent <laughs> <laughs> always thank you again for being on the 150k podcast my friend i really appreciate you and thank you everyone for listening remember self-awareness is key don't run before you walk be aware of who you are and be consistent and you'll make it. And until next time, smile, breathe, and refresh. Have a great day, guys.